Good morning again, live streamers. I think sometimes in our society, you know, I grew up in a time when we said, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And I think we finally come to a place where we realize that's a bunch of hooey. Um, because words do matter, the words we choose and how we say them, because they affect another person and the way they hear them, and they can shape um, how they understand themselves. Uh, even the words we choose uh, to describe situations, we have to be a little bit careful about. I was listening uh, this morning during my quiet time to one of my favorite singers slash contemplatives, Alana Lewandowski, and she was talking about, she had a little, because she knew a lot of us would not be gathering in worship spaces, she, she did a little 12-minute uh, uh, homily, sermon, message kind of thing, about three words that struck her during this time as uh, words that don't really, that are clearly words that describe something, but were clearly... Uh, formulated by scientists who were more interested in facts than how they chose words. For instance, the word cancel, the word isolation, the word uh, social distancing, uh, all of those kinds of phrases, you know, in and of themselves, you know, the, the sense that people get is the sense of isolation, of termination, uh, it, so she suggested some alternative words that we might use instead of social distancing. What would it be like if we used the word physical distancing? Because that's what we're really being asked to do, not socially distance ourselves. In fact, I have talked to more of you and members of my family this week during a time of social distancing uh, but it was really physical distancing, I might be socially closer to a number of you because I actually had time to reach out because I couldn't be in other kinds of places. So I think physical distancing might be a better way. Instead of saying cancel, the word postpone, or in our case, transform. Because we didn't, uh, we didn't cancel worship. We didn't have in-person worship despite the fact that there are three of us in here, we're all technically involved in this worship experience. We didn't cancel this. We transformed it into a purely online experience. Uh, and perhaps instead of isolation, this is an opportunity for you to have some solitude, some space to yourself, particularly if you're alone. So be careful about the words that you choose. Now, speaking about choosing words, uh, I'm going to read to you now this week's passage. It comes from the first letter of John, and it's in the second chapter. It's part of our readings during the Lenten season. And this is the passage that we're talking about this morning. It's uh, in chapter 2, and it begins with verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride in riches, comes not from the Father, but from the world. 
and the world and its desires are passing away. But those who do the will of God live forever. Do not love the world or the things of the world. You know, I can still remember a time growing up when I heard those words used in the context of anything of this world that's it's all passing away. You know, and it was all about getting our focus out of this world and into another place. Some heavenly realm that's outside of this world, beyond this place. Um, but I don't think that that's what this passage particularly means at all. I think when we talk about not loving the world, what we're really talking about is not loving the systems that the world places on us. Not loving the way that the world might choose to name who we are. Uh, you know, we're born into this world, and one of the first things we have to learn to do is to differentiate ourselves from our caregivers. I am not my mother. I am not my father. I am not the one that holds me. I'm not the one that feeds me. But as babies, we don't know any difference. We spent all those months in our mother's womb growing up, uh, and it doesn't seem very different to me. There's no separation there. And then as we begin to differentiate ourselves, then we define ourselves by titles that people put on us. Uh, you know, good boy, bad boy, good girl, bad girl, smart girl, uh, smart boy, stupid boy, stupid girl. All those kinds of labels that get put, those identifiers are the ways of the world to set us apart from each other. The tall one, the short one, the medium-sized one. Uh, we have three Jameses at St. James. And how do we define which one? The young one, the middle-aged one, the old one? By the way, I'm the old one. Uh, you know, how do we define? Because the terms we use and the words we use as identifiers, think of it. When you go to a, when you go to a cocktail party, if you're an adult, or if you go to another party, and people ask you, uh, or you meet someone for the first time, and they ask you, what you do, as if that defines who you are. That is the definer. Uh, usually when I get asked that question, by the time I get asked that question in a conversation, people have usually been sharing with me openly, feeling very comfortable with me, and then they say, you know, by the way, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. And immediately the conversation ends. Or they apologize immediately for the colorful language they've used and, and uh, terminology that might be offensive to my ears. It's not like I've never heard some of those things before. But pastor is just a title on me. You know, male is just a title in the way I was born. Quite frankly, all of those things don't decide who I am. And what I hear the writer of 1 John saying is, don't let the world identify who you are. Don't them, let them tell you. You're worthwhile because you're wealthy, or you're worthwhile because you have stuff, or you're worthwhile because you have a great title, or because you serve, or because you don't serve, or because you're tall, or because you're smart, or any of those kinds. Don't let the world decide who you are, because someone else has already decided for you, and it's God. You are loved. At the core of who you are, that is all that defines you. You are loved. God loves you. When it says that when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you, it's to say that when you start to fall in love with the prestige that only the world offers, you find out it's very transient. 
One minute you're super popular. You know, you are the dancing queen, young and sweet, only 17. Well, sometimes then you become 18 and 19, and you're no longer the dancing queen, young and sweet. You know, or whatever. You get older and you get wrinkled. Look at me. Your hair starts to gray. You're no longer that devilish, handsome, debonair young man that you once were. Now you're a debonair, handsome old man. But, I mean, all of those are just labels. And loving those labels means you invest yourself in trying to get more of them. To let the world name you in positive ways. Competent, good, positive, smart, brilliant, inventive. You don't want to be named as something other than those things. Well, guess what? Who cares what the world names you? Who cares? Because at the bottom of it all, the Father already loves you. God already loves you. You have been named as the beloved. Over and over again, the Gospel of John, and then the first letter of John refers to you as Beloved, beloved, you are the one beloved, not only of the elder who's writing this letter, but of God. And if God is for you, if God loves you, who cares what your title is? Who cares what label anybody puts on you? Don't, be, uh, don't allow the world to label you as anything less than one who is beloved of God. That's what I hear this passage. Now the challenge is, as we've already noted, that he says don't love the things of the world. Don't love the world or the things of the world. It's not don't appreciate the grass. Don't appreciate the sunshine. Don't appreciate your friendships. Those are all good things. It's don't let yourself be labeled by anything other than the love that God is already pouring out on you. You are already God's beloved. Already. Before you even started watching this video, uh, this, this message online, you were beloved of God. After you finish watching it, or if you didn't watch it at all, if you chose today to be your true day of solitude and you're watching this video later in the week, don't be labeled by anything procrastinator. You procrastinated watching that sermon. Or uh, too lazy to get up and watch the sermon at 11 o'clock. That's not a label, and I'm not putting it on you. Don't put it on yourself. If you're watching this at all later in the week as a recorded message, know that God loves you, and that's where it comes from. That's where your labeling happens. If you read closely that passage in 15 through 17, it's about, it's about not falling in love with the systems that name one person as good and another as bad. That names one person as foreigner and therefore bad and one person as not foreign and therefore good. You know, it's not about what you look like. It's not about the external. It's about the love that already names you inside. And if you let that love name you and be 
the king, if you will, of your life or the queen of your life, then the way you treat other people and the way you treat yourself will change. We live in a world where everybody thinks I have to accumulate all those labels, those titles for myself. I have to look out for me. Yesterday I was reading an article about a young woman who said, I went to Red Robin and had french fries and I took my good sweet time because I don't care if I'm supposed to be staying at home. It's all about I'm an American and I can choose what I want to do. Well, Everybody can choose what they want to do. But is it the best thing you can choose for other people around you? Is it the kindest, most loving thing you can do? If that young woman who tweeted that really felt that the only thing that named her was love, see, I'm making a judgment here, then she would see herself as loved. She wouldn't have to be over and against everyone else. She wouldn't have to spend all of her time justifying her going against things because she was an American a label. She's loved. And the most loving thing she could do is love herself and then her community by not potentially spreading a virus. So what's going to name you? What are you going to let name you? This week's assignment, if you will, is to sit down with your journal, piece of paper if you don't have a journal, and write down the things that you think name you already. Now be honest. Be self-aware, be open. What names you who you are? It could be your name. It could be the last thing one of your friends said to you. It could be your fourth grade teacher who told you you were stupid. You know, it, what names you? What have you allowed in your life to name you that is other than the love of God? Because... The only thing, and that's what the writer of 1 John is saying, the only thing that has a right to name you is love itself, the eternal love of God, who is love. So figure out what's naming you, and then begin to let go of some of those names. That would be my challenge to you and to me this week.